SeatGeek is the easiest way to find the best deals on tickets to pretty much any live event. Concerts, sports, theater, comedy, whatever you want. SeatGeek searches multiple ticket sites and compares prices for you, so you can save time and money. Plus, their mobile app is ridiculously easy to use. Download the SeatGeek app today and enter promo code SEATS to save $20 on your first purchase. That's promo code SEATS for $20 off. SeatGeek. Right seat, right now, right from your phone. Welcome to Tales, Tunes, and Tomfoolery, starring Jerry Springer, along with Gene Galvin and me. I'm Megan Hills. We're recorded live in front of a brilliant studio audience at the Folk School Coffee Parlor in Ludlow, Kentucky. And now, here's Jerry Springer. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Hey, uh, thanks for coming by. Gene, uh, what... Just to, before we get started here, what is the latest with that? Didn't we have a celebrity hotline? Is anyone we calling We have a celebrity that? hotline that's on the website. I've given out access codes to celebrities and agents. I don't know people, but I know yeah. people who know people, and yeah. that's how I'm getting that out. And uh, by the way, uh, we got one. Do you know who Sarah Palin is, Jerry? Do, do yeah. you know? Have you heard of her? Yeah, I know. <laughs> well, she was yeah. governor for about She's 40 days or so the, up in Alaska. She, I'll tell you, she lives close to Russia. Well, I, now see, she, now Jerry, that's funny that you should mention that yeah. because she left a message on the celebrity hotline what? that sounds like maybe she's been through Ludlow. David, maybe if you'd play what Governor Palin hey there, says. This is Governor Sarah Palin. The last time I was in Ludlow, Kentucky, I stood on the banks of the Ohio River and yelled, Hey, I think I see Russia from here. <laughs> but then Todd pointed out it was actually Cincinnati. <laughs> see, there you go. So she she's, thought. She's calling this show. She called. Well, she, she called, left a message. And here's another one we got. This is kind of interesting, I think, because yeah. I know you love politics. I love yeah. politics. And I love innovation. Yeah. So there's a guy named State Senator Tip Kemper. He contacted us. He beseeched me, worked me hard, had his staff really working me. Could he be on the show? He can't be here, but he wanted to visit us over the phone. And he has a bill that he says he's got the votes for. He claims he's a really good vote counter in politics. Yeah, yeah. I think we have him yeah. on hold, do we not, David? We do. Okay, Could he's you- on hold, and we've been having some trouble with the uh, phone System, I'm going to run he's over there. Now, so why don't you? Do you I'm going to go work that out, work and then it out you're going to be able to talk to him. And I'll be back. Call during okay. the podcast. Let yeah. me go deal with that. Do we have this kind of technology? I had no idea. I have no idea. I know you don't know. It's two cans with a string. Exactly. It's like your flip phone. <laughs> What's wrong with my flip phone? Oh my God, we're here again. Every yes. second, I'm going to just get you a new phone. Yeah, it's going to be done. I got a lo- I got a long distance call last week. Did uh, you yeah. really? Yeah, it was clear from another state. Wow, you can get it. <laughs> So we, uh, you'll let me know when we have him on the phone, because I don't want to tie this up too long. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. Yeah, we're going to get that. And, and was, did we get any other celebrities calling in? That was it? I, I, think, I think Sarah Palin's got some time on her hands. Well, yeah, what is she doing trying I, to... I have no she's idea. She's not running, is she? For, for a comedy standpoint, though, wouldn't that be delightful? Oh, it'd be Wouldn't that be great? We could talk about that for days. Yeah. For yeah. days. Get and her and Hillary again. We <sighs> forget, like, for one or two weeks... 
she was it. She was. She was going to beat Obama. Uh-huh. Uh, I mean, really. Oh, I know. In, I know. I remember. August of 08. Very we thought, oh, time. my gosh, where did they find her? Because she seemed so legit and everything. She did. Yeah. <laughs> Until she, do you remember the leather vest? She did all of her interviews, and she had the leather vest on with the, uh, oh, with got, the America pin. I've and... got those pictures all over my wall. <laughs> oh, God. Inappropriate. Just no, seriously no, I mean, inappropriate. You know, yeah. <laughs> Wouldn't be the first one screwed by a Republican. That's no, oh. that's a joke. That's a joke. Seven thirty is not the same as the nine. I, that's you know I do that for <laughs> not a very good living, but I try yeah, to you know. do that for a living. Try okay. the deal. Uh, you'll signal when the call. He, he's ready. He's ready. Okay. Now oh, I gotta get this right. Senator Tip Kemper. Senator. Okay. <clears throat> Hello, Senator. Well, thank you for taking my call, Mr. Springer. I appreciate it very much. This is an issue of uh, most importance to me, and I hope you and your listeners will agree. And what issue is this? Well, the issue is uh, State Senate Bill 7 called the Read Regularly Bill. You can hear it and see it all on my website, readregularly.com. And it's based on data, Mr. Springer. May I call you Mr. Springer? Uh, yes, yes. Yeah, or or uh, Mr. Jerry, well, based, as my friends call me. It's based on data that's uh, utterly stunning. If you go to the website, begintoread.com, you'll see that two-thirds of students who can't read by the end of the fourth grade will end up in jail or on welfare. Now, furthermore, there's a study done by the U.S. Department of Education and the National Institute of Literacy that shows that 32 million of adult Americans can't read. And Mr. Springer and Miss Megan, that's 14% of the American population. Wow. Well, that, that, is, that is a real problem. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I don't think anyone... Now, there is another study. But what's your... That, that, pardon what, me, Mr. Springer? What's, what's your uh, solution? We, we understand, and I don't mean to trivialize this, this is a very serious problem, uh, and, but what is your bill? How does your bill deal with the fact that 14% of Americans can't read at the appropriate age level? Well, as we've entered this post-literate era, my bill, the Read Regularly Bill, would require all citizens from the ages of 18 to 80 to read one book a month and to write a book report and turn that into a kiosk at the post office. Wait, wait, wait. Okay. Your, your bill would require all Americans to have to read one book a month and write a book report about it? Yes, and we're doing this state by state. And uh, yes, if you're 18 years of age, and of course, by the time you're 80, you should be able to just sort of relax and enjoy your retirement but between 18 and 80. Yes, you would read a book from a list that uh, my office is generating, you would write a book report, two pages, double space, and turn that into graders, and it would be a pass-fail. We're not uh, too persnickety. It would be a pass-fail situation. To turn and, it into uh, graders? The, you, the ice cream place? No. What? People that grade oh, it. Oh, people that grade it. I'm sorry, Mr. Springer, but I understood this was not your TV show, but instead an a intelligent discussion. No, I, I, I'm and, sorry. Uh, okay, I'm I appeal sorry. to you, please take the <laughs> okay. data seriously. Okay. We're not crazy people. You would have a chance to have uh, former retired English teachers grade your book reports. 
and we don't have enough of those, so seasonal IRS workers would also be uh, on the staff to grade the book reports. You know, I don't what? think this is a bad idea. I mean, uh, I mean, in, in all honesty, I think it's a pretty good idea. It's a crazy idea. No, it's not. This is America. You can't force. Pe- I mean, I think it's great if everyone reads a book, but isn't that the government overreaching? Isn't that the responsibility saying, of an American to, to take to, to be able to read and, and to be able to interpret things for but themselves? But the government, first of all, who's put who's putting out this list of books? Uh, 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 Approved books? Well, I, I have a, a group of uh, people I'm working with from the Heritage Foundation. Oh, that well, are I mean, yeah, that yeah, yeah. Okay, the so that's that's the first problem. What, you know, you're not going to get, Senator, with all due respect, you're not going to get anybody voting for that if you and your buddies or people that you agree with are going to decide what books are to be read. I have a real quick question Why for you. Why throw that in? If, if, if you want everyone to read, what do you care what book it is? Let, this is a free country. Let people read whatever they're inspired by. Fifty Shades of Grey, write a report on it. Yep. Okay. <laughs> well, well so. Mr. Springer, uh, America has taken a, a sort of a turn down an alley that's not really healthy. And we have so much uh, issues with video games and NASCAR races. And now there are even wristwatches where you can send an email by talking to it. What happens if the- something, uh, Senator, I hate to interrupt you, but what what happens if someone says this is so stupid, I'm not going to do it? No one is going to force well, we're me. we're reasonable people, and the office is putting this bill together, and I believe I just about have the votes, and I would appeal to your listeners to call your state senator and, and push on them a little bit to get them to help me get this passed. But if somebody does not turn in the book report on the first time, it's a $25 fine. On the second time, it telescopes up to $500 fine. And if they continue not to turn it in, it's a weekend in jail. What if they're a person of low income, they don't have this kind of money, and they didn't learn how to read very well? The school system didn't work. And and for some reason, they don't read. And, And these are people that don't have money to begin with. So what are you doing? You're You're going to take money from them? Well, admittedly, I didn't think that part totally through, but I will say that the, <laughs> I, the I mean, seasonal, in all honesty, the I seasonal think... IRS workers, we think can help these people with their reading skills, where we have a lot of faith in the people who do our taxes. I, I really think you're missing this one, Jerry. I, th- I really do think this is a good idea. I think, first of all, puts resp- personal responsibility. You've got parents that are going to be having to pay these fines. I think it's excellent. What's wrong with people writing books? There's nothing wrong with people reading books, write as much as you want. But you can't have the government say, you have to read this book. They're not. They're they're giving you the option of taking the fine. Some, uh, are you dating Kim, uh, Tip Kemper? For God's sakes, that is the most ludicrous, ridiculous. What has this turned if into? Might, what? If I might say, the young lady sitting uh, at the table with you sounds uh, uh, very uh, uh, winsome, uh, very attractive, and I'd wonder if How she was How do you know? Woman. You can't see her. And, uh, number two, I did <laughs> want to is. say, that the, and I've spent time talking with your staffer, that Mr. Gene Galvin, I just want to say he's done a great job. In my working with him, and I didn't know if he had well, a full time job with you. There could be a job. Well, he's on my staff. Gene. Do you want to ask Gene? Do you? Uh, I tell you what, Gene is actually the one that's uh, handling this, these phones now. He's actually holding the phone lines together. Yeah, Gene, uh, you can ask a question if you want. I can't imagine you think this is a good idea. No, 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 no. You're doing fine. You just keep asking the questions. 
Oh, thanks, Gene. <laughs> I, do, okay. I think you're way off on He this. just sounds like an impressive young man. Look, oh. uh, Mr. Springer, uh, I'm getting calls on my other cell phone. Uh, I work with two cell this phones is a piece in my of, Senate office. This and, is uh, a piece of legislation. Uh, I, I appeal to you, though, if, if you could help us just get this bill over the finish line. I think that it would help industrial productivity, cut down social costs, even help us close a prisoner. People too. will be demonstrating in the streets. You can't force people you can't force people to read any specific list of books which is very unconstitutional and you and then have them write a book report what if someone can't write book reports or That's doesn't why write doing very this well practice so that they can get the practice You're at not it. saying we're going to teach people how to read you're saying we're going to find well, them if they can't read Somewhere along the line someone's going to have to teach them because they're going to have to get these in or they're going to get fined Mr. Springer, you seem to be making this harder than it needs to be. I agree. I totally agree. I remember my English classes. That's difficult. Sit down and read it and write a gosh darn book report. I'm telling you, you should see, in, in, in all seriousness, when I look at the resumes and things that are coming in across my desk every day, I, it is atrocious. It, it is absolutely frightening what's out there. People are using numbers. I have received resumes with the word four as the number four. I have seen weekly things like this. This is not the worst thing I that could happen totally to our country. I totally agree with you. I totally agree with you. No one here is suggesting that we don't have a real problem with literacy. We don't have a real problem with education. At least he's got, it. Cle- at least he's got an answer no, for it. No, there's got no a plan there saying how to teach people to read, how to get people to do that. It's just you have a fine if you don't write a report, yeah. which, you know, forget the freedom issue. There is a constitution, but even beyond that, it's not practical because people that can't read or can't write, how do they write a report? And they're the people who probably don't have a lot of money, and they're the ones you're fining. Probably get them to read quicker, though. How long have you been a Republican senator? <laughs> <laughs> well, I was uh, born a Republican, and my father was a Republican. My grandfather was a Republican, and... Um, I'm happy about that. The only thing I would ask is if, and you're raising some questions I really hadn't thought about. I'm not uh, particularly well known for sitting down and really using a lot of uh, logic. I don't have a, a high education. And I'm wondering maybe if I can't get this one across the finish line, maybe if there could be some support for doubling the pay of state senators. I don't know. I'm just now blue sky here. <laughs> Senator, I want to take this opportunity to thank you for, thank you for, uh, for being with us. It certainly has stirred some conversation. Mm-hmm. I think uh, I might get fired. <laughs> thank you for taking my call. And if you could, uh, uh, Mr. Galvin could leave the phone number, my phone number for that young lady that I'm uh, hearing. Okay, and that's you, about uh, all the time we have for now. <laughs> all of a sudden, I'm a pimp. <laughs> what does that make me? Excuse me? <laughs> Thank you very much. Someone else is complaining of all of a sudden. (laughs) All of a sudden. (laughs) All right. Wow. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, that's pretty Did crazy, you, wasn't it? That, <laughs> yeah. that guy. Was I was he, struggling with the phones back there. They yeah, thanks for phone. finally getting me. Yeah, if you get it off mute, sometimes yeah, that sometimes, works. Yeah, sometimes, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, that's one of those iPhones. Right they work there, very yeah. well. Well, you know, that the stupidest idea you ever I mean, let's be ridiculous. It is absurd. You can't you're way make off base. People, I really do think you're way off you base You can't make people read books. Hey, we have a group tonight. You always have great groups. And this is the uh, Rubber Knife Gang, and they're going to do a song for us. Then we're going to chat about it. Yes. 
thank God they chose rubber. <laughs> <laughs>
That's the Rubber Knight Gang, and let me introduce them real fast. We've got John Oakes on bass. Thanks, John. John. Hank Becker on the claw hammer banjo. Good job. And Tom Wilson on guitar. By the way, who wrote that? It's a song kind of about uh, the despair that comes with uh, being poor and trying to get out of that situation. Excellent. And uh, you guys are performing, well, you've got a new album out, correct, called Broken Lines? Yes, sir. And Jerry, th that style of music, Jerry and I have been around folk music forever. So we were listening to folk music yep. in late 50s, early 60s. We got out of college in 65, so that gives you an idea. And that was the, the music at the time. That song you just sang, that style, that music, sounds a whole lot like Limelighters, uh, groups that were back in that time period. And I don't know if you guys ever listened to any of them. That's a compliment, by the way. That's awesome yeah. music. Yeah, that's very, good very music awesome. back then, and this sounds real close to it. Do you guys know those that style of trios? Uh, no, I, I grew up listening to some folk music from my parents, but uh, I, those okay, those all. all right. What's interesting, and we've talked about this before, is that. What makes the music timeless is you weren't copying someone else's music, but you were reflecting life in the current time, yeah. which is what folk music does. It's the music of regular folks. It's not an industry that writes the music and says, here, perform. It's, you know, we're going to make a, many millions of dollars on it, and we're going to promo it and all that. This is real folk music coming from the fields, from the coal mines, from wherever you had to live with the feeling of poverty. It's raw, yeah. it's raw and that's why it is timeless, and that's why you can call it, what it, you explained to me that they were calling it roots, roots. music now, yeah, roots music. and we called it folk music. Wouldn't it be nice if the next generation, there wouldn't be songs about poverty, and, you know. But we're counting on this music passing on, it is passing on, uh, because... Uh, well, look at the generations you're talking about here, our age, your age. By the way, what caused you guys, I'm betting when you were in high school, you were listening to alternative music, or were you? What, what got you into this style of uh, music to write and to perform? I don't know. It's just, it felt comfortable for us, I think, as a group. Individually, we all like it. How long have you guys been together as a group? Going eight years now. Yeah, it's our third album. Nice. Kind of soak up every style like a sponge, and yeah. uh, okay. this is the best outlet I think for us. And a lot of it is because of the community. There's festivals that we bring children to, and everything like that. And a lot of other types of music you can't, you don't want to do it. Yeah. Yeah. I'm. We want to bring the kids up with this. So. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and you would do. I mean, it's your your own decision. But with what is currently going on now, for example, the and we'll talk about this on another podcast, but. Uh, with the battle for minimum wage, for example, uh, these rallies where thousands of people are showing up. Uh, I remember when we had the civil rights marches and when we had the anti-war movement during the 60s, they were accompanied by the music that reflected the message we were giving. So, you know, find out where some of these demonstrations will be taking place, show up with your instruments. And I'm telling you that, you know, that becomes the... Uh, the music of the movement, right. mm -hmm. which is how we communicate, and that gets people feeling it. You know, it's, uh, I dare say, the civil rights movement had a lot of people coming to it because they were initially attracted by the music. 
and the feeling and the message made sense and all of a sudden yeah we shall overcome you know well and it's simple simplified and it's universal you put it in a uni- universal a, good music you know it's better than any speech given mm-hmm. so well, show up at well, these a lot rallies of times when you're working so hard it's hard to have a voice you mm-hmm. know? yeah so this is Very true. there you go well john hank and todd thank you very yeah, much absolutely. for singing this music at your age man yeah. keep doing it and can you take us out on good night irene I'll try to help you guys out. Yeah. (laughs) You've been listening to Tales, Tunes, and Tomfoolery, sponsored by the Folk School Coffee Parlor in Ludlow, Kentucky. Thanks to Patrick Kennedy for writing our opening song, and to you for listening. Hope to see you all again real soon. on the road, but perhaps none more amazing than the paid-off car. It may not be pretty, but the price is right. Heck, if you keep that thing running, it'll actually start paying you. Because with Napa Rewards, for every $100 you spend, you'll get $5 off. So keep your car running longer, stronger with Napa Rewards, and watch the savings start rolling in. That's Napa Know-How. Napa Know-How.